Hello and welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. I'm Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the fractured Elliot Shibley. <laughs> Elliot, why are you fractured? Uh, because I broke my finger, Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's only, it was, it's only my left ring finger, so yeah, I'll be all right. It was catching the game-winning touchdown it on, was. on Thanksgiving morning, so it's very important. It, it is. Yeah. It is. And luckily, I got my ring off before it got too swollen. Yep, that would have hurt, man. You would have had to gotten like bolt cutters or something. I would have. They, I don't yeah. know. That's Did, why you got to get that silicone ring, like I have. I I have five of them, and I wasn't wearing them. No, no. Yeah, but it's all good now. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, it's only like twice the size of a regular finger. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this show is brought to you by. Are you tired of steaming milk being a barista? Deferring on your student loans, do you wish you could beat Elon Musk to the moon? Look no further with Spaceship Loans. Our program allows you to lease a spaceship for 18 months with no money down, so one day you'll have a spaceship of your own complete with Pinterest setup living room, modern decor, and your own golden retriever that you can take care of and put on Instagram for at least the next five years until you get bored and realize you're paying too much for dog food. It's time that you became the millennial that you always dreamed of being. It's time to feel the G's with Spaceship Loans. Please don't forget to join our Traveler's Blueprint community on Facebook and check us out on Instagram. All right, guys. So today on our show, we had an awesome conversation with a very unique traveler. Uh, So instead of doing it in the typical fashion where people travel through Europe and South America, Asia, all parts of the world, and you... It's it, it's it's sort of the travel that you're used to. Our guest today actually traveled for work, and now his line of work even adds an additional layer of uniqueness to it because he is a videographer for a DJ, uh, mostly I, think, I believe DJ Carnage. And so, what made his experience around the world really awesome was that as he's traveling, he's gaining all these experiences, but a lot of it is just specific to the nightlife and to the party community and the party atmosphere. He didn't get too much time exploring, although he did he did in some instances in some in some countries, but for the most part, a lot of his experience is is with the party nightlife scene. So without getting into it anymore, um, I'm introduce you to our next guest, Kevin Owens. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Kevin, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Uh, you and I, we met in high school. And yep. so you we you have a very unique travel experience in that you traveled the world, three continents at least, um, yep. videographing, being a videographer for a DJ. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, his name is uh, DJ Carnage. And I've also worked with other DJs. But the yeah, other main one, his name is DJ Borges. So those are the two main guys that pretty much have taken me, you know, all over the world and um, just pretty much just go out, capture their shows, create content for them, whether it's like pictures or shoot little documentary pieces on them. And uh, yeah, those are the two main guys that I uh, primarily work with. And so how did you get into it? How did, yeah, how did the gig even start to where you got offered this position to just travel with them throughout Europe? You did Europe for a month. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so everything all started when I I got hired down in Atlantic City at a place called Haven Nightclub. And at the time, they didn't have anybody doing any video, any photography. And I just really liked it just from being like younger and just going to party. And I just thought it was so much fun. So I literally like sent a tweet out to them of just like stuff that I created from my buddies, like one show. And then they were like, long story short, they pretty much like hired me like off of that. And then just from the working with them and the DJs that were just rolling through from time to time, they just liked my work and thought it was like unique. And then they started to bring me on the road from there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so you went from Atlantic City and then to what was the first country you went to? Um, I guess like the first country, I mean, Canada, I think I did all of Canada. Like first I did like a U.S. tour uh with dj borges we did like all of america and all of um canada first and then my next like um big trip was going down to south america so those were like my first like two ones of me like getting my feet wet and experiencing like what it's like to be traveling that aggressively and also just seeing these new uh countries for the first time and just kind of trying to take it all in what are your schedules like some of the schedules can be very, um, very aggressive, um, and some of them are more lenient. Like most shows are typically on the weekend. So some guys will have shows booked, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or some people just be like Friday, Saturday. And then sometimes it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes Monday, because a lot of these guys, they have residencies, which is just a fancy word for that's they just have consistent gigs in like Vegas. So it's like they'll always have like a Vegas party maybe once or twice a month, whether it's on like a Sunday night or Monday night. So you'll go and you'll travel with them to wherever their show's at on like Friday, Saturday, and then you like pretty much always return back to Vegas for their residency for the residency shows. And uh yeah, you'll shoot like the last show in Vegas, but Particularly, those happen so often, they don't really like uh, book you for them because it's just like it's the same thing. It's not never necessarily unique or whatever. I mean, it's fun to go and shoot those shows because it's Vegas and it's always a good time. But um, in terms of like content that they need, they always want shows or festivals in unique locations or stuff that um, shows that they're going to do for the first time. So you, when you went down into South America, did you go to or Peru? Did, were you in Lima? Yes, we were in Lima, Peru. We flew in and um, into the city. And I think it took us three hours just to get out of the city because the traffic was so bad. And by the time we got out of there, um, we did the festival, which was just ultra Peru. Like that's what it was called. And where I remember it was like just pretty much it looked like it was just off the side of a cliff, like down on the beach. And so you could just see like all the lights like on the highway going across of people that like didn't buy tickets to the festival. They were just parked on the side of the road, this cliff just um, looking down at the festival. So it was really neat. And you, it's really crazy to see like um, in these countries, they build these just massive stages and how like pretty much like all the kids from like, you know, uh, 16 to like, you know, all the way up to, I guess, like 35, I guess, is the average age of like pretty much everyone in that age back in the country is coming out to like see these shows. And it's, it's pretty crazy. So what do you do in terms of like transportation and housing? Do you guys have your own uh, person set it up for you or do you guys have to figure it out on your own? 
Uh, we do, we do have like a travel agent or like a manager that does set up all the arrangements beforehand, but that's pretty much like, uh, you contacting the venue and usually they provide wherever you're staying, like whatever hotel, I guess they had the best deal at or whatever. So they usually set up like your transportation and then the, the DJ's manager, they take down like your information and then they'll book your flights. Um, because some 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 of the DJs are coming out of Las Vegas, some of them are coming out of LA, and then I'm coming out of Philadelphia. So a lot of times we're all coming from separate places and we're all meeting at once. But they handle all the traveling. The only thing we have to worry about is if we get to the airport and either like the driver to the festival like isn't there, we just have to Uber, or if we extend a night or we spend an extra day because we either missed a flight or whatever, then we just like book like another room or, you know, it, that's only when it's on the fly is when it's kind of like we're responsible to make it happen. It seems like a decent amount of it is on the fly at, at, at points. Yeah, a decent amount of it. But a lot of these people, a lot of these like promoters of these festivals and these clubs, they're usually very on top of it. At, at Like where you're staying, they usually put you in a nice hotel and um, typically you get your own room and, um, they're usually pretty on the ball about getting you like from the airport, but there always seems to be like trouble getting back to the airport like the next day. So it's like, I don't know. I just seen that to be seen like a trend. Like we're either we're waking up and it's like we're late or like we wake up and this, the driver's nowhere to be found. And so we're like, all right, well, we'll just Uber. And I mean, it's easy enough. You just take out your phone and then just go. And Well, it's easy if you're in, Europe, but how was it for Peru, for Lima? I, I've heard nightmares yeah. about uh, Lima traffic specifically. We're going to be going mm -hmm. in a few months, and I looked into renting a car, and immediately it yeah. didn't seem like the right idea. Yeah. No, yeah, not at all. I mean, luckily, just for that particular show, it's like it was ultra Peru. So they're very on top of everything, especially with working with the artists. So, like, they just have vans, like, going in and out, in and out, like, because all the DJs and all the talent that's performing at the festival, we're all pretty much staying at the same hotel, uh, unless like somebody wants to like book their own Airbnb because they want to live, I guess, a little bit more lavish in that location that they're at or, but um, for the most part, um, they're on top of it. And they, I think it's usually like just vans. They just have you running back and forth to the, uh, to the airport. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What what kind of schedules do you have when you're actually traveling? Like, do you get any time there or is it pretty much you fly in, you're getting settled and you got a show like the next day? It's usually very rare that you can get in and like actually like explore a place because sometimes most of the time it's like you either have a show the next day. But when you do have time, it's maybe like a day. And that's it. There's been like a few rare times to where we've had like two or three days break and we're like, we'll either stay here or, you know, we'll take another trip elsewhere and just kind of like explore around. But for the most part, it's like you fly all day and then like you get in, you try to get something to eat and you go straight to the show. And then after the show, I'm usually up most of the night just like editing like whatever content they need, like photos or just like clips of the night. And then by the time I'm done, it's like, all right, you have like an hour worth of sleep. Or sometimes you just go straight to the airport, depending on like the flights. If you have to go cross country or international, it's just like, 
you just kind of have to go with the flow and just eat when you can and, you know, hope for the best. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of enjoying the actual culture. You're there to party. Well, you're there to watch them party. Right? You're yeah. there to work. You're, you're there, yeah, you're there to, to watch them party. I mean, we, we party too, and we have a good time, definitely. But for the most part, it's like, um, yeah, you're just capturing pretty much everybody having like the best time <laughs> of their life, especially in these other countries, you know, to where they don't really have like, it's not like having a nightclub here in the United States, like especially in South America. So when they have these big music festivals down there, like everybody goes out and it's like, the thing that makes their year so like when you're there you're capturing and everybody's like high on life at that moment and it's just like it's definitely um, a unique experience and it's yeah it's pretty cool how crazy do some of those concerts or festivals get yeah the craziest the craziest crowds ever for me have been in turin italy and in cologne germany and then also I did uh, Myanmar on New Year's Eve. And that was just like unbelievable. <laughs> oh my God. They have all these fireworks for New Year's Eve. And I'm pretty sure there's no regulation for fireworks because it was, you know, unlike anything I've ever seen, like here in the States, it just blew everything away that we have. Like you go down to the shore or whatever for like 4th of July, you're like, oh man, those fireworks really great. And then you, you're there on New Year's Eve and you're just like, there's no timing. There's no nothing. It's just like they light everything off and it's just nonstop. Like it's like the, it's like the grand finale, just like for like 20 minutes straight. Oh my God. So, yeah. So it was really, it was really cool. A lot of fun. So who, who parties the hardest? Is it in Myanmar? Um, who parties the hardest? My, in Myanmar, um, it's not necessarily that people are partying hard. It's that because you have like kids from like all like all ages, like go out. So, they're just like pretty, it's like what I'm saying, like they're just high on life. But the people who probably party the hardest are definitely like the Germans. Like they get yeah. so rowdy, they get so rowdy and it's like <laughs> mosh pits and yeah, they get they get really wild. But I mean, it's fun, man. The energy is, is unbelievable, unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so when you know we're going and we're doing a show in Cologne, Germany, it's like, yo, it's, it's going to be an amazing show. Oh, it's yeah. Just, there's this venue particularly called Boots House in Cologne, Germany. It's a very small venue, but it's just pretty much just filled with rowdy Germans just going nuts. And they always have like um, like two ambulances like parked outside just ready to go because people are like are getting hurt and it's just complete madness. But yeah, I'll definitely like show like send you guys some clips. Oh, like, yeah some places and it's yeah it's unbelievable so i did i studied in uh bonn germany just south of cologne and i spent a lot mm -hmm. of time in cologne and i was mm -hmm. there in february for carnival yeah and they go absolutely nuts for that nuts they go absolutely nuts they i think it's just their whole culture man they just go full throttle with anything that they're doing it's insane like they'll start i guess they have friday and monday off of that weekend and they'll get like four cases of beer and start drinking on Thursday morning and will stay actually stay drunk until Monday morning and they'll they'll take like these carts of the cases to the parade route and just set up camp and just drink all day for like three days it's insane and there's like six million people there just throwing out these like two pound bars of chocolate <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's it was one of the craziest things I've seen just for a parade. Yeah, 
I mean, it's it's nuts. Anything that they do, it's like you know they're they're going all out for it for sure. Yeah, and they even throw out like these little liquor bottles, like the little shooter type things yeah. that like you get. They just like yeah. carry like in their pockets. Yeah, and, and I don't know if they throw them, but. Like the one guy just handed us a bunch of them and I guess they have to be particular because they're not going to give it to someone who looks under 15. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so you have a unique uh, perspective because you've seen how all these different people party, I guess, around the world. Mm-hmm. Do you notice the difference in like, does it correlate to the culture in any way? Um, some, uh, I feel, you know, some, like some countries are definitely like more passionate than others it's just like because you like most of these guys are either from the u.s or what or the people that i've worked with you know they're from the u.s the so DJs. when you go yeah the djs yeah. so when you go to europe like people are like they, they get super excited because it's like they're coming all the way from america like oh my god and it's like a it's like a big deal to them um so you can just see like the raw emotion how excited they get um for it but they pretty much everywhere you go like definitely the crowd and the audience just has like like a pure genuine love for the music that's going on and just everybody's just out to have a good time like no matter where you go the only difference is is like i guess the intensity of like how rowdy they want to get and um but other than that like everywhere you go everybody just has like pure love like for the music and everything and just like enjoying and having a good time the universal language yep yeah i think Germans, they're a little reserved during the day mm-hmm. and they work very hard. And I guess that's why they have to play hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. Same the way they can release themselves. Yeah, definitely. Now, have you had to worry about, you know, when you arrive at these places, exchanging your currency? Do you take care of all those things? Mm, not really, just because it's like, especially in like Europe, like I just use my like chase sapphire card or my american express card because like pretty much everywhere takes it and um so i use and to me that's how i kind of like keep track of all my expenses i just make sure i use my cards so that way if i have to pay anything extra like i have um it's like tracked and then i can just add it in my expense sheet so like at the end of the trip for like reimbursement purposes, it's just easier to do it that way than having cash out and then trying to hold on to like my receipt and make sure yeah. I don't lose it in the process. So I haven't really had any problems with like currency exchange or anything like that, just because I'm just uh, I pretty much just, you know, uh, use cards. And yeah, as long as you have like a good like Visa card that just doesn't give you any uh, like foreign transaction fees, like. I haven't had any problem with it. Yeah. And we talked before the show, you're racking up points too with your Chase, yeah. Chase Sapphire card. Is it the preserve or the reserve? It's uh it's the preferred, yeah. Just preferred. the I think it's the regular hundred dollar a year one. Like the reserve is like five hundred a year. And yeah. I didn't make the I didn't make the jump to that. Like my Amex like business platinum is like it's like five hundred a year. But like my bonus was like insane. It was like hundred and twenty five thousand points. You know, to sign up and if you spend like X amount of dollars. So what I did was I pretty much just bought like a new lens and then boom, I had uh I was a, I got those points like for free. So definitely just like just taking advantage and making your money work for you pretty much. Do you really have to buy much when you're traveling abroad? It seems like everything's kind of set up for you. 
most things are set up. It's just uh, most of the time it's like your food. Uh, your food you have to like pay for, but a lot of times you're just eating, you know, airport food and it's like not necessarily the greatest uh, just because you're very limited on time because usually we get to the airport very late, like maybe 20 minutes before our flight takes off. But the only reason why we make that is because usually the artists, they travel first class. So it's like you can just bypass like all the lines and everything and just walk straight on so usually it's no problem but it's always tough when i'm like going home and you know i'm not taking the same flight as them so it's like if i'm getting to the airport late you know i gotta make sure that i'm like i'm like punctual in terms of like showing up early and making sure that i get on the plane early to put my bags in the overhead because i only travel with a backpack with my equipment and then like a carry-on and that's it like nobody checks bags so do you purposely like when you know you're having a different flight on the way home do you have the person buying the plane tickets like buy it later because i don't want to miss it (laughs) To me, it, it's it's weird. It's actually like the opposite. I would rather take the I would rather leave right from the show at like, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning. I would rather go right to the airport and fly home because the thing that I can't stand is delaying, like waking up at the hotel and then, you know, getting kicked out by the hotel and then going to the airport and just kind of like just delaying it out. Because my whole thing is just like, um, like I just ride regular economy or economy plus, like I don't get booked business or, you know, first, I don't get any of that. And I'm six foot two. So all the seating is like not really comfortable at all. So how I choose to like fly is I'd rather be so exhausted and so tired that when I get on the plane, I just pass out and you just, you know, you try to just bypass the whole misery of riding this flight and that's what so that's kind of like my preference in terms of flying like i'd rather be completely exhausted so i just um you know pass out and then wake up and then i'm there it's not a bad way to do it yeah no you gotta keep racking up those points and then eventually you get the uh your status upgrade yeah yeah I, i do have like a little bit of a status but it's not like uh i'm not at like platinum or executive platinum so it's like uh you know, those people always get upgraded first before you. And it's just like, oh, okay. I mean, it's good because you can board the plane like very quickly and your stuff's guaranteed to make it. But, you know, in the beginning, you weren't always guaranteed to have your stuff get on. And then there's always that awkward conversation between you and a flight attendant saying like, listen, like all this is filled with like really expensive camera gear. I can't check this. Like we're going to have to figure out something. And that's always interesting when that happens. If you had to estimate your bag with all your lenses and your cameras, how much equipment do you think you have in there at any one time? Usually it's usually around like 13 to $15,000 worth of stuff. So it's like, so I'll usually have like two cameras, a whole assortment of lenses. I'll have a drone. Like I have a Mavic Pro that I take. But before that, I used to have a Phantom 4, which I put inside of my carry-on, not even my backpack, because it wouldn't even fit. So literally, my backpack would be filled with equipment. The drone took up most of the space in my carry-on. So I literally had maybe a third of my carry-on for clothes for like two weeks. And that's like how I was traveling. And then, you know, the new Mavic uh, Pro came out. And I'm like, done. I'm getting it just because it folds up and it turns out to be like amazing. So 
Yeah, I bought the Spark, and now there's one that they made it, the DJI made that's even smaller than the Spark, it, and it actually folds into, and it's like a collapsible drone. Yeah, it came out shortly after I bought the Spark. But mm-hmm. did, did you bring it to Peru, your drone? Um, I, I at the time I had the Phantom Four. I didn't fly it in Peru because the regulations in Peru were so strict. And at the time, I was very new to flying drones in, like, foreign countries. I, I was kind of, like, scared to get caught. And you don't really know, like, you know, you, you, you have, like, this fear. Like, if I get caught, like, what's going to happen? I'm going to go to jail, like, this and that. Because it says, like, clear as day, like, know this, know that. And I'm like, all right. So I didn't drone in Peru, but I droned when I was in, um, when I was in Rio. And that was extremely sketchy because... They always have like tourists, like uh, helicopters flying around. And it says like clear as day, you, you know, you have the app and it turns on. It's like, this is a no fly zone, this and that. But, you know, the artist is paying you good money to get these shots. So it's like, you kind of have to get these shots. And I'm like, dude, it's like, not legal. He's like, whatever, I'll pay you to get out of jail. Just get it up in the air. Like, I want to, I want these shots. And I'm like, okay. So, but then like, as like time went on, I got more and more comfortable with it. And especially with, you know, the Mavic coming out, it's something that can pretty much fit in your pocket. So you can literally get it out, open it, get it up in the air in no time, get your shots that you need and get it back down before anybody's like you're reported of anything or, um, you know, for you to even get in trouble for you to get caught. It's like, you just, you're either in a high like tourist zone and you're just not paying attention or you just don't care. So like yeah. some of the places where I've flown it where I shouldn't fly it, like I flew it over the Vatican. I flew it <laughs> I, I flew it over like the Lean and Tower of Pisa. And I just made sure I was just like careful. I'm like, listen, I'm not going over there. I'm gonna stay in the parking lot, like where we parked, and I'll just take it off from there. And um, yeah, as long as you're just careful with it, like some people will take their drones off and you might not have enough, like, like a good enough signal and people are just like, yeah, whatever. And then it just keeps going further and further away and it's not coming back. And then it's just like, you just have to make sure you're careful. And then, um, but yeah, you'll get these incredible shots that not a lot of people can get. Yeah. I need to practice with mine a lot before I take it to Peru. I'm sneaking mine in. Yeah. Especially like you have the spark. So you should be, no problem in fitting that and sneaking that in. I mean, when I went through, I had the Phantom, which is like, you know, it's kind of like a foot by a foot. And it's this yeah. big box. And it's like, you know, they looked at it and they're like, oh, like you can't have that. But luckily I have my batteries separate. I'm like, I don't even have the batteries. I can't even fly it. Like, sorry. Yeah. And that's the only reason why they let me keep it. Cause I didn't even have, supposedly I didn't have batteries right at the time. Wow. Yeah. The Mavic, the Mavic Air is super tiny. And supposedly mm-hmm. the Mavic Pro Two is coming out soon. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it is out, and I'm thinking about maybe upgrading, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I think it's just kind of like uh, it'll be extra for me at this point to like uh, upgrade to it. It's not necessary, but it is like I mean, if you don't have a drone and you're getting something first, like I would get it 100. percent Elliot, get the Mavic Air, and then we won't have to worry about taking the Spark. See, what I like about the Air is the arms collapse into the sides. Right, right. And that's pretty discreet. I mean, you're going to get that through with no problem. Yeah, I think it's like literally, like, I think like an iPhone 7 Plus, it like gets down to that. So it's like almost like your hand size, and it's absolutely incredible. (laughs) The Mavic's definitely 
the Mavic Pro is definitely bigger than that, but the Mavic Air, they really, you know, made it so that it folds down to next to nothing. So you're even more um, discreet about traveling with it and just pretty much getting it up in the air whenever you want. Yeah, wow. If you're interested and if you can talk about it, I want to hear some of the the party stories that you've been a part of. Yeah, so, I mean, they've been they've been like very interesting some have been very weird some have been very rowdy and some have been you know pretty much everything in between um like as i said before the the craziest crowd is definitely like i've seen was in cologne germany followed by turin italy um just in terms of like partying and then i've been to like ibiza where i was able to spend like 10 days there and that whole party scene is just it's like a marathon because you'll wake up four or five o'clock in the afternoon you'll pretty much eat your one meal of the day and then you'll go out and you'll party till like 7 a.m the next day and it's just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat all around all around the island there's just people just partying a different party a different venue and all the venues it's like they're only open from uh like you know uh eight o'clock to eleven o'clock and then the venue right across is open from like 10 o'clock to 1 a.m and then another venue is open from like 1 a.m to 3 and then another one it's kind of like that so they all overlap so literally it's just you have this wave of people just like going from club or party to to the next one to the next one and they just go all night and they just yeah it's pretty wild to to see that i pretty much made i tried to keep up with everybody for the first three days and then i just collapsed i was like no i can't keep up anymore i'm just gonna and i slept for like two days after that oh, God. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so that's been funny you know just just being out and like when you're taking pictures you have like you know you have intoxicated people that are always coming up to you like take my picture take this and that and it's like all right yeah and then you know there's i mean the amount of falls i've seen is like it's really funny. Uh, probably one of the most severe falls. I've seen a girl, she was like on a dance platform, like dancing. And it was her 21st birthday. She's like, take my picture. And she was like, jump around. And she fell off like face first, hit the floor, but bounced up immediately as if nothing happened. She was so excited. And then I was like, oh my God, are you okay? And she like looks up and her whole chin is split open she had no idea and like i can't deal with blood so i was like oh no oh my god i almost passed out like on the spot so it was like 21st birthday and i think like the the club in the venue that i was working at was only open for an hour so it's like they, she didn't even make an hour into you know her 21st birthday and you know, <laughs> ah. split her chin open oh man mm -hmm. she probably won't yeah. remember it I mean, she'll remember the stitches and uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a better, very entertaining story later on. Um, Did you get any good pictures of her? <laughs> I, I, I got her like in the beginning and then she kind of just fell out of frame. And I'm like, where'd she go? And the next thing she was like on the ground and I was like, oh, helped her up. And then I was like, oh God, I'm going to pass out. I can't look at this. <laughs> What's some of the weirdest stuff? Some of the weirdest stuff are... Like some people use me and they're just kind of like they're on some type of drug, whether it's like Molly or something, and they're just in their own world. And you're just like, and they try to talk to you and what they're saying doesn't really make any sense. And I'm just like, yeah, man, sounds good. Like, you know, thumbs up. And you're like, 
this and that. And then they just won't let you go. And you're like, yeah, I got to work, man. Sorry. And, and then you just kind of just got to like, you know, just leave them. And I feel bad because like, I try to like talk to anybody who like wants to talk or just say hello. But sometimes you just got to like cut your losses and just, you know, keep it moving. That's how I feel about Bob. <laughs> he's, he's constantly on Molly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what he's saying half the time. I could be on it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like some of these people, like, like when we go out and party, like all we do is like drink. And so, but because if you're doing like all these other drugs and you'll notice like uh, a lot of the veteran artists, they don't really do any drugs because they're traveling. So um, they're traveling so aggressive and they know like how they're going to feel the next day, like just drinking alone. Like you're going to feel like you're not going to feel too good flying to another country or an all, you know, the entire day. And um, so, yeah, just drinking alone, like you're taking a toll and you're like already, you know, setting yourself up for failure right from it. So when we travel, we were like, all right, this is going to be a real good show. Like we'll drink tonight or like we'll party tonight. And like, that's it. And then like out of that trip, like if we're doing like seven shows, we try to like cut it in half of like when we're going to party, when we're not going to party. I don't know how you do it. I, I could not, I, the hangovers hit me hard. Yeah. I can't do anything anymore the next day. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't imagine having to wake up and get on an international flight and then do it all over again. Yeah. You got to be built for that. That's a special, that's a special person <laughs> that can do that. Yeah. It requires definitely. a special liver. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I try to just keep it like, oh, I just have like one or two drinks, like when I'm like quote unquote partying. Cause I know like, well, when the show is over, like I still have to work and I still have to like create content. And then I know we have to travel all day next day, especially in like Europe. You can't really just fly like direct into anywhere. You have to fly to like a main airport then fly to like a smaller place. And you're always on like the budget airline because it's the only one that's like available. Like we've flown like Ryanair and it's uh, like so bad. Worst. The <laughs> yeah. worst. They so. got just they just got busted or shut down or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember you sending me that article. They like they had a flight full of two hundred some passengers and it was like repossessed on the tarmac. Oh wow. Because they defaulted on their payments. Oh man. Yeah, that's a yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like how do you do that? You're an airline. This isn't mm-hmm. like this is you're not like a private car owner. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah so they had to like transfer all the people off the plane that's crazy that's kind of yeah that's gotta be terrible you're traveling you're just trying to get home and then the whole plane gets repossessed it's like you don't know what's going on and like man all i want to do is just get home or if you're yeah. going on vacation can you imagine you're just going on vacation and at the start of your vacation it's like you have this massive full-on day-long delay because you know the airline you chose is defaulting on their payments <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's crazy how much you're at the mercy of the airline when you're doing these travel when you're planning any vacation. If they screw up, they could screw up your whole trip. And yeah, you're just you just need to hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, when you're Bob, you have that planned in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> Not all the time. So where should we go out uh, when we're in Lima? Do you have any good? Do you remember any places? No, because I didn't get to do really anything. I didn't. It was like we flew in and it was like late afternoon. And then we spent the whole time just getting to the hotel. Then we did the show and then we were out immediately the next day. The next day we went to Rio, which that's where we got to spend like four to five days. So it's like there's been like some places to where we did get to like stay in like a nice Airbnb. 
and just, you know, um, explore a little bit and, uh, and yeah, so, um, yeah, but one time we were in Europe and I think we had like three days and we're like, all right, what do we want to do? Or we're going to do this. Like we had like two days in France and at the time, like Drake had a concert in Paris. So the DJ I was working with, DJ Carnage, he pretty much just made a few phone calls. Like, all right, we're going to see the concert tonight. Let's go. And we went and we had like VIP passes and we just got to go out and like enjoy the night, which was a lot of fun. And because a lot of the times it's like that stuff just doesn't happen like whatsoever. And then in that same trip, this was like a full like month long European tour that we did. We had like three to four days and he's like, I've never been to Iceland. Let's go to Iceland. And it was like the next day we went for like two or three days. We really didn't have like the proper clothing for it, but we went and it was really, it was really, really um, crazy. You're flying in to uh, Reykjavik, I think it's called yeah. in Iceland. That's like the capital mm-hmm. or whatever. And it just looks like it's a different planet. And it's like, you just can't even believe that stuff like this exists. And so we were there, we got to do the whole Blue Lagoon thing, and oh, nice. relax and hang out. And then even more, even like the, I thought the trip was like already good. Um, he's like, yo, it's, we're, we're taking a chopper and we're going to go all around like Iceland. So I got like tons of pictures, tons of video. And we actually, our pilot, he like landed somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And we just got to go out and just walk around. And just like check it out and i had my drone at the time so i like drone the whole area and us like around the chopper and everything and i was just like completely blown away and you know to to like the dj and stuff um they look at you like you're like oh it's not a big deal but to me i'm like this is a big deal like nobody's gonna see this stuff like who's who has the ability to see this yeah. stuff? I'm like this yeah is that's like amazing insane. man yeah you guys are yeah. probably like the only six or seven people to have seen that in the last 10 years yeah so i mean definitely extremely grateful you know you gotta send me some of those videos yeah absolutely i will but yeah it's like i've been very fortunate enough like that these artists have you know you know chosen me to kind of like capture their shows and not only like even like these random trips in between and it's like yeah just extremely grateful it's pretty neat man like yeah so not only are you you traveling around the world but that you're then you're also able to capture people at some of their best times in Mm -hmm. different cultures different people doing pretty much the same thing they're all partying i'd be curious to sort of see pictures like of them all lined up every country where you had like a snapshot of people in this environment yeah it's a really like what you're doing is incredibly unique. I, I I thought it was really awesome, and that's why I had reached out to you. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's it's absolutely never a dull moment, and I think that's the perfect <laughs> that's the perfect way of saying it because sometimes it's like it's not like the it's not like you know all like uh, glory or it's not like you're living your best life as like I guess the new phrase that people are saying nowadays yeah. because it's just like you know. A lot of times you don't feel good. You're eating crappy airport food. You're running on maybe an hour or two of sleep and you just realize I got 10 more days left to go and we have 10 more shows. And so pretty much you're kind of in autopilot mode. It's just kind of like rinse and repeat, go show, capture, show, edit, go back to the airport and you just keep going, keep going. So 
Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand the behind the scenes aspect of what you do. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people just think you're out partying and they're and you know, sometimes, you know, we do or we try to limit that, but if a lot of people were doing the kind of traveling, they would easily see like, man, this like it's not fun or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. when you get to the show and you see like all the people and all the good content you can capture, it like it definitely makes it worth it, like for sure. Yeah. You kinda you kinda answered my next question and I was gonna ask, uh, what do you hate most about travel? And on the flip side of that, what do you like the most about being able to travel? I see the I can deal with like low amount of sleep, but just like eating not good food, especially like I mean, there's only so many times where you're trying to get breakfast and you're getting Starbucks breakfast sandwiches like that gets old very quick. So sometimes we try to like find like a like a little juice bar or whatever, or we'll do like ginger shots to kind of like so good to try and like just keep your body like running, you know, Um, cleanse it, cleanse it. Yeah. Cleanse it as best as you can. So definitely like, cause if you're not eating well or like McDonald's is like always open in every airport, no matter what time. And it's just like, well, that's the only place. So that's, that, that's what it is. We're going to eat today. But, um, so that's, I would say is like the thing I least enjoy about traveling. And I think what I like the most is, um, seeing all the different people, like um from these different countries and everybody's unique in their own way and just seeing like people at the height of their like emotional state like they're high on life they're enjoying the moment and it's like nothing else is like nothing else matters in the world and yeah it's pretty yeah it's really rewarding to be able to uh to go out and capture like all these different places and being able to do that yeah very cool and so Italy, you didn't really get to do much else other than other than uh, the partying, the videoing. Yeah, not nothing much else. The only places we've got to actually like do stuff is like when we were in Rio, we got to like walk around and go see the um, uh, the big Christ statue. Okay, what that's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we went and saw that, and we did we did do a helicopter ride around Rio, so that was fun. We did the Iceland for like two or three days. Um, uh, we were able to like go to Rome for like an extra day and just kind of like walk around to see like the Coliseum and certain stuff. And um, but yeah, for the most part, like even if I have time and everybody's like exhausted, I always try to like make sure I go out to like shoot the city, whatever city that we're in, to get B-roll and also like get drone footage of wherever we're at. So it's like we'll fly in, and it's like we only have two hours before we have to like leave for the show or leave for dinner. And I'm like out there just trying to like get as much footage as I can just because yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be back in this place or not. Do you incorporate the, the actual, the cityscape, the, the natural environment into your DJing, the, into the my content videos. for the videos? Yeah, yep. you do. Yep. So yeah. it's just a mix of, and it adds to, I guess, where you are in that moment and it helps. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's like, usually like you show, um, all different, you know, it could be like time lapses of like the city or like drone footage of the city. You always like show that first or like in between as you're going from city, uh, from, you know, country to country or city to city. And then like you follow that up with like footage from the show or people, like sometimes you do interviews with people and, um, you know, uh, you mix that in as well. But yeah, pretty much every time I land somewhere, I try to get footage of where we're at. You know, as much as I want to go to sleep and like, you know, get like a 20 minute power nap in, it's like, let me just go out and just see what I can get. 
but then sometimes you go out and the wind is like so bad and you, you know you just can't get the drone up or it's just like or it's too cold i'm like i can't even shoot like my hands are frozen on the camera and i'm like yeah. I don't have gloves or, you know i thought i lost my drone a few times um how do you know the guy his name is uh johnny underscore fpv on instagram the uh the first person drone guy right he does like the racing drones right he, he does racing race drones. drones he is a wizard with it's, the on, drone. it's pretty unbelievable I, I think i just saw him literally last week and i was watching the video and i'm like this i'm like this is on a racing drone and then i literally went to his page and it's like cap and it's like capturing landscapes using wow. racing drones and he's like spinning and like yeah. doing these dive bombs through canyons and i'm like man this is like next level he takes it to a completely new level he oh. posted this video of these rhinos yeah that yeah blew my mind you saw that mm -hmm. it, it, i saw the rhino one yep it blew my mind so then i went to his page and was just going through some of his videos and they're just beyond anything i've ever seen with a drone the guy is unbelievably talented I, yeah. he needs to get a job at like gopro oh for sure i think that's what he's doing he i think he has a hookup to where he mounts a gopro to the racing drone and it's like like just enough weight to where it can still work and he has it like mounted i don't know if it's like an actual rig or if he just came up with something himself and but yeah because i saw a picture of it and it looks like the uh what's the cube the cube gopro uh is it the hero it's, or is it's, it, I think it might be the cube. I think it might be called the GoPro. It's called um something. It's uh the GoPro is putting out cameras so fast that I can't even keep up with them. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. It's um the session? This the session, that's what it is, yeah. I think he has like a little session hooked up onto it and um Yeah, that that dude is some inspiration for anybody that wants to learn how to <laughs> use a drone. Yeah. Wow. For sure. You know, I look at some of his and then I went to mine. It's just like, all right, I have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a lot to learn. Elliot, are you looking at some of his yeah. videos right now? Well, that, that's the thing with some of these videos is that he's got like a real live time feed with probably a VR headset where he can actually like control this pretty much live. I mean, it is live, but like very little lag and he has pretty yeah. agile dexterity to be able to do some of those shots. Yeah, yeah. I think... I think what's so good about him is that, you know, he kind of combined like two different things. Like, you know, you have the whole like um, drone racing thing going on and he's really good at it. And not only that, but it's like how accessible drones are for the average person. So the average person can pretty much get like what most people who are more experienced can get. And he's pretty much like stepping into a whole new different like niche. And he's like, showing that listen i am able to get shots that nobody else is able to get like for sure you like the within the first like second of any clip he has you're like you're looking at it and you're like it's almost like trippy it's like mm -hmm. is this inception like what is going on like this <laughs> this camera's like rotating and it's flipping over and it's dive bombing through canyons and you know orbiting around these rhinos and you know all these different angles that are going on and he's i feel like he's definitely probably one of the only people in the world that can do this kind of stuff oh yeah that rhino one is amazing because as he goes over the rhino you can see the rhino look at the the drone out of its eye mm -hmm. and then you know at a, and then as he goes over the rhino turns his head at, to just follow the drone over him it's incredible and they're running and yeah it's absolutely nuts it's yeah. one of the yeah, I saw the video a few days ago. Elliot, I think I sent it to you. 
Yeah, and there's uh, you can see he has the controller uh, down further on his Instagram page, but it's like to be able to control the direction, altitude, speed of the drone itself, and then also be able to control the camera direction at the same time. Because mm-hmm. most most uh, standard drones only have the front facing camera. Yeah, where his has like a full 360 camera and a fisheye lens. Yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, he's operating with some expensive equipment. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, well, I would love to be able to do that. That's like playing a real life video game. Yeah. Well, can yeah. you imagine having the VR over your eyes and you're just over top of these charging rhinos in oh Africa? My God. And he's doing it for conservation efforts, which is pretty cool. And I think mm-hmm. that type of video, man, that's gonna raise uh, raise some awareness for sure. Because yeah, absolutely. That video definitely catches people's interest as you're scrolling by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just uh, I just emailed you guys like some pictures awesome. uh, of like when we were in Iceland and then like a chopper ride because I think oh, in your wow. thing because in your uh, thing you guys were like oh send like two or three pictures like of yourself or whatever and like where you were at and these yeah. are like pictures like oh we actually it's not like we're at a show we actually got to do like some cool stuff yeah. yeah. Yeah, so is that is that you in the green jacket in Iceland? Yeah, that's Dude, me, that, and my hair was so your long. Hair, oh my gosh! Yeah, I had I would yeah I went through a phase to where I grew my I grew my hair down pretty much almost mid chest because just because I never saw my hair long, and then I wound up cutting it all off and donating it. Uh, but great. it definitely got to a certain point where it was just like. Dude, you look homeless. Like, <laughs> you know, like nobody was a fan of it after a while. There was kind of like during that whole like man bun phase. Oh, and yeah. I would like wear, I would wear it up like when I'm at home. And then like anytime I went out or shot shows, I just had like a snapback on like when I was shooting or like a beanie. And then like my hair was just down. So like. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of work, isn't it? Yeah. Like you can definitely, you go through a lot of conditioner for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The one where you're standing, not the one where you're in directly in front of the chopper, but the one where you're holding the two cameras, you look a little bit like Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, that was like the heaviest jacket I have. And that's just like a windbreaker type yeah. thing that I just travel with. That's like my light jacket. And so I had like sweatpants, like, and t-shirts like underneath and like that's it and we were in like the middle of iceland and so it was like really cold and i'm like i don't care like we're here like let's do as much as we can yeah we'll have to check out some of your footage that looks awesome though so for someone for someone that is uh interested in photography and i think most people interested in travel are interested in photography but if they if they're also interested in music this seems like a great way for to marry all three things together but it sounds like you have to have a pretty hard stomach to be able to go through all of the short hours, the long travel times, the tight schedules, the shitty food. Yeah. Uh, so for someone that's trying to get into it, what do you recommend? I think especially with, you know, it's one thing to like shoot for a venue or if you shoot for like a, a festival or whatever, like every year, you know, you're always like in one cl- location and you always get to go home at the end of the day. But when you're traveling with an artist, like in order to break into that, it's really about like you and your relationship between the artists. It's like, you have to be like personable and you have to be like able to get along with someone to spend like every day with them for like 30 days straight. And it's like, you're every wake and moment you guys are together. So, but I guess like breaking into it, um, you know, whatever, like I, 
the route that I took was I, I liked the venue a lot and I knew because I really didn't even know what EDM was like and that's like the uh the concerts and the artists that I follow they're electronic dance music artists so I didn't even really know what it was at the time I just knew that there's there's a high um level of energy and it's like um really addicting you know and so I saw this venue I got into it and pretty much like you know, once I got in there and then you start meeting all these different artists or whatever. And I think the easiest way is just be yourself, man, because people can definitely tell when you're faking it or you're trying to be someone you're not, or, you know, if you're trying to make yourself seem more cool than like what you are or whatever, like people just pick up on that. And I feel like it's just best to completely remain yourself, work hard. And no matter like what people say, just like, if you want to do something, just keep doing it and just keep practicing. And the best advice is just be patient. Like it's, nothing's going to happen like overnight. Like a lot of people will be like, Oh, this is awesome. Like what you're doing. Like, I don't want to do this. Like I've been doing it for like six months and I haven't had like any success. Like you just have to be patient and just show consistency, like in your work, because it's like, if you have like one really good shot or like one really good video or whatever, like that's all well and good. But people see you have like numerous amounts of like content that you create. That's like a very good quality. And especially that like, you know, you're, you're respectable towards others. Like all these things like really do matter. You know, if you do all this and you just stay persistent and be patient, like good things will happen. Wow. I think I like that's it. great advice. I think that's great advice for people in general. That's great advice for Bob and I. That's great advice for anyone starting something new. <laughs> That's what new. I was thinking. I was like, is he talking to us? Yeah. I, know. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I have like yeah. a lot of people always like ask me like where I work at. You're like, yo, I'm trying to get in photography or anything like that. And I'm like, dude, like go for it. Like just do it. And like, yeah, like I don't know what to do or what should I buy or whatever. So I'll, I'll either like recommend like what's a good like starter kit to buy. And I'll say like, dude, just like literally watch YouTube. Cause like YouTube can teach you absolutely everything. And that's how I like learned like most of my stuff, especially like stuff I don't understand in terms of editing, like for video or editing inside of like Lightroom for photos, you know, the internet can teach you absolutely everything. So especially in the creative field, if you're trying to get into photography, like, don't be afraid to just like, you know, teach yourself or whatever. If you can find a mentor or find somebody that has enough time to show you the ropes or whatever, like that's awesome because you're going to get that, you know, human to human interaction. And you're also going to get like all their tips and tricks that they've learned along the way. But when starting out, I feel like people are just so afraid to just kind of like jump into it or they either feel like, Oh, I'm not getting results like immediately or this and that. And it's just like all a learning process. And even more so like just the fact that the internet and YouTube, you look up anything like how to do, how to change a tire, how to, you know, do this, how to replace like the Ram in your computer. YouTube has like everything, yeah. Yeah. everything and anything. Even if you like, if you see like a picture or whatever, and you just like, find like whatever artist took that picture. If you just Google that person's name and like that picture, they'll tell you like how they got that shot pretty much. So like you can 100% like learn everything just from the internet alone. And yeah, I don't recommend trying to learn how to use the internet on these. You can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think, yeah. People just have to start. Just Just start. start. Just start. Just show up. Like, yeah, yeah. Just show up pretty much. That's, that's half the, that's half the battle. It's yeah. just like, 
just show up every day or like try to go out, you know, shoot some content or whatever. It's all about just repetition. And then mm-hmm. pretty much that's like anything you put enough reps in and you, you get more familiar, like with your camera, your settings, what you're shooting. If you just stay consistent, consistent over and over and per- and persistent about what you want to do or whatever, like good things will happen for sure. Yeah. Bob, yeah. I'm going to make another outliers reference here. 10,000 <sighs> hours. That's what it takes to be an expert. Oh yeah. Wow. 10,000 hours. Was- that's roughly that's roughly five years of 40 hour work weeks 50 weeks a year man wow all right that's a tall mountain to climb but we're (laughs) (laughs) we started we started yeah we're still we're still amateur bob (laughs) we're still amateur all right kevin well thank you for being on the show man i really appreciate it It it's good talking with you thank you for having me guys like yeah i love your podcast i love what you guys are doing you know every time i like go uh, make a trip like i just listen to your podcast because it takes me like 40 to 50 minutes to get down to atlantic city for work so i just throw the podcast on and i just like listen to it on my way to work that's awesome Awesome. to hear man yeah Mm -hmm. thank you it was nice meeting you kevin all righty man thank you guys thank you thanks that was awesome. And I don't think I realize, I don't think he realizes how unique his travel experience actually is. You know, you and I talk about travel quite a bit. And when someone tells us that they're going to a new country, our minds already, you know, they start spinning. What did you eat? Who did you talk to? Who did you meet? What did you see? But with Kevin's trips, they're so unique that it was really eye opening to sit down and talk with him and get a level of travel that I don't think most people in the air quotes travel community are really <laughs> used to hearing about and so i think i think that brought on a new level of of uniqueness to our show i really like that conversation oh absolutely it was kind of cool because he really only gets to see well not everyone gets to see the nightlife uh, of the people he goes to like the germans or the i don't even where italians italians peruvians yeah. and he it's just kind of cool to be able to hear that side of things because you only if you're going to see the nightlife you're going to be a part of it you're not going to be observing from the outside and he gets that opportunity to compare all of these different nightlife cultures right don't forget to reach out to us with any questions and please leave your comments on itunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts check out our patreon feel free to email us or contact us directly you know normal spiel yada 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 once again we very much appreciate you taking the time to listen and we hope you enjoy the show